Somebody gave me, and I don't have any idea who it is, so I can't, I don't know who to thank, but it says, Dear Pastor, and it's, it's some little stories that children have written to their pastor, and they put it all in the book, and they're really, really cute. I read a couple to you last night, but, uh, but I, I was going to read them. I had one marked here. Where did it go? I think my paper. Is that it? I think so. It was really, well, that's all right. It's on the back of the book, the one I wanted. Dear Pastor, I know God loves everybody. But he never met my sister. <laughs> Sincerely, Arnold, eight years old. <laughs> and this one's really, really cute. Dear Pastor, I'm a very religious person. I never do anything bad on Sunday. That's Roger, age seven. <laughs> oh, that's the one I was looking for. But the little sister, that's the one I thought was cute. I thought about Carter and some of them. Dear Pastor, please pray a prayer for, prayer for our Little League team. We need God's help or a new pitcher. <laughs> Alexander, age 10. <laughs> this one I really like. Dear Pastor, my father says I should learn the Ten Commandments, but I don't want to because I think we have enough rules in my house already. <laughs> Joshua, age 10. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that cute? Good. You know, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase this message. I asked Pam if, uh, if she would do it with me. Uh, we, we do a lot of ministry on Wednesday nights, and I really enjoy ministering with my wife. And, and uh, God has always called us as a team. And, and uh, every once in a while, somebody say, do, w- do women really belong in ministry? And I say, well, I guess so. My wife is. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, really, we, there's a lot of books been written on that. And you do an awesome job. I really Thanks appreciate so you. What we're sharing on is uh, today is your most important assignment while you're on this earth. And if you read the Bible, it's it's a love story from God. It's done in two basic chapters, the old chapter and the new chapter, old covenant, new covenant. But the basic premise of the Bible has never changed. It's all about love. Everybody say, it's all about love. It's all about love. And the, the one assignment that we have from God is for every person on the face of this earth. And if you get this assignment correct, school has just started. We have assignments coming. Uh, Annabelle, Annabelle got so excited to go to her first class at Purdue University, English 101 or something. something. And she made sure she got there on time and she sat down and all the other students were there and she was so excited. Her first class, you might have even shared this already last yeah. Wednesday, I don't remember, but she was all excited and finally this TA came in and he said, uh, oh, don't you all know this class is canceled? The, in the English department, they always cancel the first class of the first day of the new year. And she said, I got up and said, I can't believe this. My first class in Purdue University, my first class as a college student, and it's canceled. She said, I have my notebook out, my pencil out. I got there on time, which was somewhat of a miracle. And they canceled her class. But but if you understand that this is a love story and that God wants us to love him the way he has instructed us. He has given us instructions. Turn to your name and tell I have instructions. I have instructions. And you can try to do things for God. You can try to be obedient to God. You can try to keep the Ten Commandments. You can try to do a lot of things. But once you fall in love with God the way he wants you to love him, you won't do things because you have to. You will do things because you want to. I'm not trying to elevate myself, but I do want to use this example. I try to help Pam clean the house, take care of the garbage, and do things. 
She may think I enjoy that. I don't like to do that at all. <laughs> but I love her, and it helps her if I do that. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes we think we have to be delivered from certain things to do certain things, or we have to do this because of, and we have to make this decision, and it has to be a discipline and a determination and a desire. And there's nothing wrong with all those things I just told you. But it's a whole lot easier if you just do it because you love God, you do it because you love that person you're married to, you do it for your family, whatever. And honey, I, I believe this message, when, when God dropped it in my spirit, it's the most important message in the whole Bible. We need to love God the way He instructed us in the Old Covenant, the first chapter, and we need to love God the way He has instructed us in the New Covenant. The good news is in the New Covenant, He gives us something on the inside to help us do that. In the Old Covenant... It was uh, more legalistic. That's why it says the letter of the law kills in Second Corinthians chapter 3. But the Spirit gives life because we've been uh, given a power and ability to love when we don't feel like it. And isn't that what people say? I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like cleaning my room. I don't, I don't feel like going to church today. You know, um, I know from my past experience with the Lord, and this came to me by the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's, I've held to it in my life even when it's hard. Everybody say, even when it's hard. The Lord always said to me, when you are hurting, find somebody to give to. Yep. And if you'll do it, then you will be healed. And so uh, when my husband said to me this morning, uh, I want, or last night, lady said, I'd like you to preach with me tomorrow. I thought, I am doing that. Because when you are in your greatest need, if you give, you will. And so, you know, you don't do it because you feel like it. You do it because you love God. And you have an assignment. Everybody say an assignment. And we're assigned to pastor this church. So on a good day or a bad day, everybody say, I do have those. Anybody that doesn't, I'd like to come live at your house. (laughs) On a day that's disappointing or a day that is exciting, it doesn't matter what the situation is, what the atmosphere is. If you love Jesus, then you do what Jesus wants you to do. And when you do it, everybody say, when you do it. You receive from God everything you need, which is his love, which heals you, and it can flow through you to other people. God's love never stops because of circumstances. I know when God said he so loved the world that he would give, I know he loved just as much then as he did when he watched his son die on Calvary. Because it was all for the love of people. And that's who God is. He loves people. That's a good word, honey. We're going to share Wednesday, unless the Lord shares it, we're going to share Wednesday night on the power of joy. And I encourage you all to be here because you all need a little bit more joy. Because if you get the message of love and you get the message of joy, you can have a great day every day. You really can't. You won't have any more bad days. Now, I understand what Pam said, and it's true. Sometimes we have some days that's like, oh, whoa, that's the day you need a fullness of joy. And that's the day the person with the joy comes along and tries to encourage you. You get upset with them. So you need to be here Wednesday night. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, you need to be here Wednesday night. Yeah, we now, had a lot of joy last Wednesday night. Somebody here, any, any of you here? We, we were really laughing. First <laughs> John chapter 4, verse 9. Uh, uh, excuse me. John chapter 15, verse 9. I want to read part of the instructions to you here. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. 
Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my commandments and my Father's commandments and abide in His love. In other words, Jesus did what the Lord showed Him. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. If you are my friends, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then it ends up in verse number 17. These things I command you that you love one another. So let's not say I have I have my orders. I have my orders. I have my instructions. I have my instructions. And that when we love God and we and you can look in, in Mark chapter 12 verses 28 through 31 which is the next scripture. But when, when Jesus was asked what is the greatest uh, commandment of all he quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy out of Leviticus that it is to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Now, let's all say this. I am. I am. Spirit. Spirit. Soul. Soul. Body. Body. Now, how many of you have ever tried to blame something on the way you were raised or the way you, your flesh acts? Or, well, how many of you remember uh, uh, or, or try to blame things on the devil because of things you do? How many of you have ever tried to place the blame somewhere other than where it belongs? Yeah. Let's just say it. The blame, the blame belongs, belongs on me. On me. And any time we get crosswise and not doing what we're instructed to do from the standpoint of love, we are the problem. Remember the old Flip Wilson movie, a show on television? Any of you old enough to remember that? Uh, and, and Flip Wilson, what did he always say? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do Whatever he did wrong, he said the devil made him do it. Folks, the devil can't make you do anything. You have a mind that is supposed to love God with all of its being. You have a body that is supposed to love God with all of its being. And if we love God as we are instructed with all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, that's everything about us. Our total focus is upon God and loving Him, not upon ourselves, not about our needs, really and truly not even about anybody else because anybody else comes later. Once we get the first part of the instruction manual down, it's easy to love other people. But you will never love other people until you love God the way he's instructed us. I think that's why he put that first. Love the Lord, then love yourself, really is number two, and then love others. Because he said love others as you love yourself. So there is a point where you have to love yourself. But when you love God more than anything, you will love yourself. It just happens because he created you. And I was reading that in the Amplified. It says, you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart and out of and with your soul, which is your life, and out of and with all your mind, which is your faculty of thought. Everybody say faculty of thought. Now, that was different to me when I read that, you know, because our thoughts is your thinking loving God is what you're thinking Uh, the love of God for that situation with your thought and your moral understanding. In other words, are your choices showing that you love God and out of and with all your strength? This is the first and principal commandment. And uh, I believe that God, when we put our focus and love upon him, he can take all those situations of loving, unlovely people. Now, maybe none of you have any unlovely people that you're 
dealing with. But I believe there's a lot of unlovely people in the world right now. Uh, and, and sometimes our way of dealing with that is not in love or mercy or grace or anything that would be the thought of God in that situation. It's more with our, uh, the forceful attitude of, I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, you need to get this. And we call that love. God's love never is uh, hurts people. It's unconditional. Everybody say unconditional. That means it has no conditions. I know it's deep, but that's what it is. No condition. That's a good word. Uh, your actions, if you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, your actions will always line up with that love. I have a nephew that we're ministering to. Matter of fact, he just called me the other day and uh, he's back in jail in Denver and, and we've brought him into our home and we've reached out to him and, and probably will again as the Lord instructs. But we've left this with the Lord because of so many years that he's done what he's done. But I remember sitting out there in a the park with him park bench and this was the first time I went to visit him and he was in and out of being belligerent and being loving and kind and 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 and, and he was telling me about different things that he did and all and I said I, I'll tell you what your problem is and he said what's my problem and I said it's, you don't love God the way God wants you to love him he says you can't tell me that I don't love God that's judgmental I said no it's not judgmental at all your actions produce your love and if your actions don't produce your love then you don't love God you know God doesn't want you to do drugs yeah I do drugs anyway. Why do you do drugs? Because it feels good. You love drugs through your flesh more than you love God. Because if you love God enough, you wouldn't do what you're, you're doing. Uh, I have a friend of mine who just is in the process, and I think he has lost his ministry out in Oklahoma. Huge church, huge church out there. Got into an adulterous affair. And I told Pam when it all happened, I said, I'll tell you what happened. He didn't love God enough. He got busy, and he stopped loving God. And, and, and what happens, when, when you love God... How many of you realize, and I don't want to get off on lust, but you can lust after anything you want. But if you love God enough, you're going to put the lust aside and you're not going to pursue it. When you pursue your flesh, when you pursue what you think you deserve or you want, it's because you don't love God. And people say, are you getting judgmental? No, it's not judgmental. That's what the Word of God says. I'm going to show you in just a moment. When you love God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, you're not serving God because you have to. You're serving God because you fell in love with Him. When I first came to the Lord, I knew Jesus. I knew something had happened. I drank, co- I, I drank beer. I, I uh, ate popcorn occasionally. I would smoke a cigar. Uh, you know, I was doing all those things. Now, you may be here saying, oh, you just described me. Well, that's okay. But as you fall in love with somebody and you get more information from them, you want to please them. Does that make sense? Not a people pleaser. Does that make sense? Because that was pretty quiet. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's making sense. And that it becomes an issue of love that it's not, oh, I have to do this. I have to. No, no. It's because I want to do this because I did not like myself before I got saved. I didn't really like myself after I got saved because I knew all the baggage I brought in with me. But then I found out how much God loved me and that he wanted me to love him the way he loved me, then it was like, that is hard for me to believe. It was, it's not anymore. But in the beginning, it was, it it was almost impossible for me to believe that God loved me that much in spite of what I had done. You know, I think that um, it's, it's sometimes hard to love the unlovely, but God loves everybody. Everybody say, God loves everybody. Everybody. When they're unlovely, ugly, throwing a fit, and everybody say, that's good news. And it is good news because we've all been there. And in those situations, you can truly say to people, God, 
God loves you no matter what. We told my nephew that. God loves you no matter what. But it, but it's not judgmental when your actions reveal your inner heart. That's not somebody judging you. That's you <laughs> acknowledging what's in your heart and letting everybody know this is who I am. That's not somebody judging. That's just somebody yeah. observing who you are because that's what's coming out of your life. Everybody say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it's not judgmental, but it, this is the key. We have to look past that to find out what's in there that will help them get out of that prison that they're in that's causing them to spew that. And I remember when God, uh, just his word, I, don't, I was typing at a typewriter at Oral Roberts University, and uh, I was having a challenge with some people in my life, and I couldn't understand why they did what, I, what they did. And the Lord just said to me, ask to see them the way I do, and then you'll always be able to love them. Mm-hmm. You know, love is able to help people. Uh, anger and being upset and trying to fix people. How many of you ever tried to fix somebody? Yeah, that doesn't work. Everybody say it doesn't work. But it says love will overcome what the enemy's doing. It, it will overcome if you continue to love. And uh, that's, that's a hard test. Everybody say a hard test. But I believe it's a test that God's asking the church to pass right now because it says in Second Timothy where there'll be perilous times, people will love themselves more than they love God. It does not say they don't love God. They just love self more. And the only way you can overcome that is to learn to love the way God loves. And you can't do that unless you've received it and loved him. And that's where the world is right now. Yeah. The love of self is, I believe, one of the biggest challenges we face in the world and in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ the same thing. Now, <clears throat> there are different, there are books that have been written on love and the different kinds of love and the phileo and you get into all sorts of definitions, but this is my definition. God's love is settled and it is established. It is totally unconditional, meaning there are no conditions. That's what I say. God's love. God's love. Totally unconditional. Totally unconditional. No conditions. No conditions. All other love is conditional. I don't care what they describe it as. All other love is, is conditional. If you don't have God's love established, your love for another person is conditional based on how they act. Your love for situations and circumstances in life is all conditional. And you can take certain conditions to a certain level and then you cross that line and that conditional love kicks in. That's where divorce comes from. We're getting ready to do my granddaughter's uh, wedding in uh, Oklahoma in October. And uh, so we're sitting there on the couch and she's so happy and like most people, you know, you're in love. I mean, you should be in love when you get married, but, 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 <laughs> but <laughs> that'll change quickly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. About 20-some years ago, 30 years ago, uh, about 20-some years ago, God put in my heart that people getting married because they love each other is not the reason to get married. It was like a new thought to me. It's like, why wouldn't you want to marry somebody you love? And so they won't always love that person. There will be times when that love, that phileo love, that, that, that more of a flesh type thing, but that phileo love, that that thing will get skewed somewhere along the line. And you have to be established in the fact that the reason you get married is because I tell them to get married. 
and I show them who to marry. So we're sitting there on the couch, and, and I said, my granddaughter, I said, hey, I only got one question for you before I send all the books to you that you're supposed to read. You can read books all you want on marriage, and they can help you, but you just establish, I married the person God said forever. And God knew what he was doing yeah. because I've questioned whether or not I knew. No, <laughs> you've been there. Don't smile. Your wife's with you. But, but anyway, you, you, you get to the point. And so we're sitting there on the couch. And I said, I said, Megan, my question, this is the only question you have for getting married. Why are you marrying him? Oh, I just love him. He is wonderful. I said, you flunked my test just like everybody else. She says, I have. What is the answer? I said, you marry somebody because God tells you. Yes, yes, God did tell me. She, I, I don't know if she knew that for a fact or not, but she quickly changed her answer. But when you know that, you don't have any more conditional love. It's unconditional. I, I, you love, God loves us without condition. That is hard to wrap around. No matter what you do the rest of your life, God loves you. Now, there is a message out there on grace that I believe is borderline error. God's grace is sufficient for everything, but don't push the envelope. Does that make sense? Eh, God will forgive me later. I'm going to do this anyway. No, that's a person who doesn't love God. You would never push the envelope if you really love God. Agape love does not change the circumstances that we see. It's not about circumstances. But it will change the way we look at the circumstances. Amen. It'll change us. It won't change the circumstance, but it'll change us. You know, when you finally realize, and most of you probably have, because we know a lot of you that are sitting here this morning, you probably heard umpteen messages on love and heard all our stories. But but I, I've had God tell me when I would sit here for two services to listen to Pastor Bill for all those years, you haven't heard it all. Everybody say you haven't heard it all. <laughs> haven't heard it <laughs> because all. <laughs> every time you hear the word, God brings other revelation to your heart. Yeah. And uh, besides, we're going from glory to glory. And I believe the the level that we're living in right now takes a greater love than any of us have ever known. And it yeah. says that the greatest love, the greatest love, comes from God. It's it's the, it's it's the it's the love that can stand there and say, "I forgive you." Uh, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you remember that was Jesus' words? And I believe we're living in that day because there are people who are doing things that you would have never dreamed they would do. They're saying things that you would never dream they would say. And, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily fellowship with those that have maybe turned away from the Lord or walk in a different path. But this we do. We love them, but we don't receive what they're doing. And you have to have a greater love. Everybody say a greater love to be able to stay in connection, but not get in it. Everybody say not get in it. And that's why it says in the last days, there will be that risk of even the elect being deceived. Because when people begin to slide away from loving God more than they love self, they begin to accept things that are not God. Just like that out of the Amplified said, their thinking and their moral decisions are made based on what they want more than what God wants. Yeah. You know, all of us could run amok. Yeah. You know, um, what was it? Someday, I forget was, what was happening. They, somebody had a glass of wine, and they were wanting me to drink a glass of wine. I said, well, you know what? I, uh, if it if it'd make you feel better, I'd probably drink it, except it'd make me sick. And God told me not to. I, I know God told me, you're, you're in a position where you're not. The level that you're walking in, you cannot do that. 
because you are an example for me. And at the level you're walking at, you can't be that kind of example. doesn't mean anybody else can't drink. just means I'm not supposed to. Thank God it made me sick the first time I ever took a sip, so I never went down that road. But, you know, in my family, there's a lot of alcoholism. There is a lot of it, and uh, and it's true. I believe that you know they. I believe it, it is partly genes, but uh, mostly it's a demonic stronghold in people's lives, and it comes from generation to generation. That's why it's called a curse. And so you know we we as the body of Christ, not just the pastors, but the life of the Christian. If they're out in the world doing the same thing the world's doing. And then that's not, that's going to promote this thing of, I love God, but I love myself more. Do you get that? And so for us to be the light, it says, arise, shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you to be that light. The key is not trying to be good. Everybody say trying to be good. I tried to be good and do the right things. And all you do is end up in a place of condemnation and guilt. But when you love God more than you love yourself, you don't have to try anymore. You just live it. You just live that way, and you don't even think about making the other decision because it's, it's not in you. It's not, it's not who's in you. You know, I was thinking as you said that, uh, most of you know that, that recently I was on, uh, privileged to be able to go to Israel, and we had a benefactor who sent people from all over the country, every state, to, to show our solidarity for the nation of Israel. And uh, at the last minute, there was an opportunity for me to bump up to first uh, business class uh, before the flight uh, took off. And uh, it, financially, it was really a great deal. So I did it, and I sat next to this... It, it, He's an international lawyer and he's a very, very famous type person uh, in, in circles. And so when it came time to order wine and, and uh, he had a couple of glasses of wine, he said, aren't you going to drink anything? And I said, no. And he said, he said, do you just not drink because of all the pastors around are going to be able to see? And I said, no, I, I, I'm not drinking because I, I felt like the Lord told me not to. And, uh, and he pressed the issue a little bit. He told you not to. And I was explaining to him that, yeah, I used to drink. I used to drink a lot. And I said, never, never quit drinking because I didn't like it. I quit drinking because God asked me to quit drinking. Well, for, for some reason, he was fascinated by that story. For me, it was like, what is so fascinating about that? If somebody, now this is what I was thinking. I didn't say it at all to him. But if somebody that you love more than yourself asks you to do something, and you have them on a pedestal, which you should have God there uh, as the person you honor, then when he asks you to do something, you know that you love him so much that you will do it versus what am I going to get out of this? Well, God must know why I should stop drinking, so I'll stop because something's going to be, something's going to bless me. No, you don't do that. The reason you do it is because God said, and and I and I did violate it uh, a couple times. I, I, I took a test for my pancreas uh, I, because they said alcohol will make your pancreas act up. So I thought if that's really true and my pancreas is really bad, I'll drink a couple of beers. So I did. I told Pam, I said I'm going to drink a couple of beers and see what happens. Now I know to you that sounds dumb. To me, it sounds very intelligent. It's not like a test to see if my pancreas is working. Everything worked fine. I had had no problem. But there was a time. When I didn't do it for a test, and that was right after we were saved out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
Went to a golf match. It was 107 degrees out. It was a PGA tournament. My favorite golfer at that time, Raymond Floyd, was was playing, leading the whole tournament. And I just, I, it was awesome. And I'm in Bible school, learning the Bible. And I know God told me not to drink. And so we walked by this Coors beer tent, ice cold Coors there. Pam and her dad, who took us, we didn't have any money. He took us, but I had enough money for a beer. And 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 and, and Pam and and Chris and John Beal left and walked on ahead. And I'm standing by a shade tree looking at ice cold beer in a big metal. There's nothing better than ice cold beer in a big metal thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like a horse trough, like a horse trough. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about what God said, but giving very little thought to what God said. And, and so finally I went over there and I bought a Coors beer. And I walked over there underneath that shade. No, I was by the shade tree. I wasn't under it. I opened that beer up and I drank that beer. I chug-lugged that beer. And as soon as it was over 100 degrees that oh, day, yeah. as soon as I got done drinking that beer, I thought a rocket went off in my head. My head exploded. I went over and took hold of the tree and everything in my body was going crazy. And I said, God, I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> but it wasn't because you don't condemn people for doing things. But people, if people are doing things they know they shouldn't do, it is because they have a lack of love for God in their life. Otherwise, they would do it because of their love for God. And Paul said that. You know, Paul said, yeah. it, it isn't that, I don't care what anybody does. I go out to dinner with people and they have a drink up. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what God tells you. And what Paul said about uh, some positions in life, uh, people will see what you do and they want to do what you do. And then they can be a person that could never handle that. And then you become responsible for them making that choice. So in this church, we don't say, you can't drink and come here. You know, you can't, you can't smoke and come here. You can't be in a wrong lifestyle and come here. We want everybody to come here. So we're not judging what anybody does. What we are encouraging you to do, however, is to do exactly what God tells you. And as you grow, God may tell you to do something that he hadn't told you before. Yeah, There's a right. reason. Yeah. There's people that you are going to be an example of the love of God, and you're going to have to be at such a level in your life that the enemy has no place to come and accuse you in front of people that like to say, well, you don't do that because of why and get in an argument and never, ever find Jesus out of that. And the key of the Christian is that we love people and they can be whoever they want to be. We're still loving them no matter what they're doing. Everybody say, I still love them. Now, this is this sounds like an easy thing, but I believe we're going to be called at a much greater testing level than we ever have before because of the anger and the things that are in the world today. When, when we were uh, in the Knesset on this trip to Israel, one of the advisors, uh, military advisors to uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu came in and spoke to us. <clears throat> and, and, he, and it's tremendous talk. It was, it was more philosophical and spiritual than it was about the war that was going on with Hamas. But he did say about Hamas, he said, I want everyone to know that we love the people in Palestine. And we love the Palestinians, even if they're part of Hamas. We love them and we forgive them for what we do, for what they do. But we refuse to let them kill us. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. Love your enemies, but you're not going to let your enemies kill you. Because some people get this, this message, well, I, I need to lay my life down. And I've never read a book on this. And if you know of any, let me know of it. This is my own personal opinion, but when Hitler did what he did, a lot of the Jews walked 
in what they considered love, that he will eventually take care of us. And they submitted everything he wanted to do. They submitted to going into the, into the areas where he housed them. They submitted to get on the cattle cars because they were told they would have a better life. And they submitted to everything that he told them to do under the guise of loving and being obedient. And, and I believe that's why six million people were destroyed because of the demonic powers that they never really fought against them in mass. But what their mantra is right now, the Jewish people, and I commend them for it, never again. Never again. They're going to take out the nuclear reactors if they have to, never again are they going back to submitting to the demonic powers that are out there. So don't misinterpret this message of love. Love is strong. Love is forceful. But when God tells you something, you love him so much you want to do it. And you don't even do it for a reward. You don't even do it because I started to say just a moment ago, when God sees someone that loves him the way he commands you to love him, he knows he can trust that person and he can promote that person. But you don't love him for promotion. You love him just because of what he did. You love him for who he is. And in 1 John chapter, I'm just going to paraphrase this for time's sake, but it's 1 John chapter uh, uh, 4, verses 7 through 19. And I'm going to start with verse number 19. It says, we love him. I'm paraphrasing. We love him the way he wants us to love him because he first loved us. In other words, he loved us so much. And most of how many of you are like I am and like Pam has been when you first heard about how much God loved you because of all the junk in your life, you had a hard time believing that. It's like, oh, he he doesn't even know I did what I did. How could he not know? I know. And and all of those things that you have to get through. To me, the message on love and righteousness changed my life. So when you hear me talk about love all the time, it's because it changed my life as to how I felt about myself. And, you know, the scripture right before 19 says that perfect love cast out all fear. It's God's desire that we are so in love with him. Everybody say perfect love. Perfect love. That's perfect love. When you love God so much that you're not afraid of anything. That, that's a place that uh, I know I haven't gotten fully there, but how many of you know in that place you would be totally safe uh, to know that no matter what, he loves you and he's going to take care of you. Uh, that's that place where we fall so in love with him that you begin to believe that that's true. Yeah. And I experienced that in my life in 1979, and I've never been the same since. You know, your source of all your life is never again in man. It's mm-hmm. never again in a government. It's not in a, you know, what's going on around you. Your source becomes the fact that you love him so much that you know that no matter what you need, he's going to take care of it. That's why I love that song that we were singing this morning. Father, will you come and open up my eyes so that I can see what you want me to see? Because if I see what you see, then I'll be able to see you taking care of me in that thing that I'm having to do. And so uh, he is a father that is a benevolent father. That means his mercy, his grace, and his love never stop never stop for us. And uh, I believe that that's why the world's in fear, because it says in the last days that fear will grip the hearts of all men. That's where the problem's going to be. Everybody say, that'll be the problem. And the the reason they'll have that problem is they have their confidence in people. They have their confidence in the government, have their confidence in man. But if they had their love in God, everybody say in God, loving him so much, they would never have to walk that road of that fear that it says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them. That means they'll give up. 
they'll give up. And I know, I know some people who have given up. And, uh, and they just switched their affection from loving God more than they loved themselves or what's in the world. That's a good word, honey. First John 4, 7 through 19, that ends there, loving God uh, because He first loved us, basically talks about how once this love has come in you, and I'm paraphrasing all of it now, then you love other people. In other words, God's first loved us, so now we take that love and we love other people. Many times people try to love people who are unloving without having the love for God that you should have that we you've received from God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that what happens then is that there's a certain point when people that you know are not treating you the way they should, they seem to cross the line and you really get upset with them. Have you ever let me see the hands of all the people who you just got really upset with people? Yes. Three of you, four of you, five of you. Okay. And and what happens then is when you get that love established in your life you don't condone what people are doing, but it does not affect you emotionally. It does not affect you emotionally. You do not change. You love everyone just as God loved you. And that's what this is talking about, loving everyone. And it says that he who does not love his fellow man, it doesn't say regardless of the circumstances, but I believe that's what it's talking about. Regardless of the circumstances, you do not have the love of God in you. That's what it says. You do not have the love of God in you. And I know that my love many times was conditional when I first got saved. And and I still have challenges in that area of my life. But I tell you what, I'm a lot stronger in that now than I was because I know this. If I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, I'm going to be okay. And, you know, um, I think if, um, and, and this may be hard for us, it is hard for me. You have to make up your mind that love hurts sometimes. Everybody say love hurts sometimes. Um, it's not people who hurt us. It's the enemy. And he uses our great love for people to hurt us when they don't return that love to us. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you've read, uh, read this in the Word, but it says there's lots of things that happen in the last days. Even families turning against each other, people turning against each other, and the hurt and the pain that goes with that, but still loving. Everybody say, still love. Because, you see, faith works by, everybody say that, faith works by love. And everything we're going to get has to come by faith, comes by faith. Everything we receive comes by faith. But if we don't have that love for God like we're supposed to, our faith isn't going to work. Everybody say, I need my faith to work. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, you know, when you read the Word of God, there's some really very difficult circumstances that are going to come in these days that we're living in. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to really hurt people. And so the, the pain of that, everybody say the pain. The pain of that only can be overcome by loving God. That's good. Not by loving those people. Loving God first, and then out of that love, you'll love people. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there there can be some very hurtful things happen in people's lives. And the answer is never to to expect that person to change because we can't change what other people do or think. It is that we have to change and love God more so that that love can consume us to the point that we are able to love them regardless of how they're treating us. Are you getting this? 
because I, I've seen it. I've seen it in situations that, um, you know, you just stand there and think, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Have you ever said that? I can't believe this. I've said that before. My husband says, honey, believe it. <laughs> After I say, I can't believe it so many times, honey, believe it. Believe it and deal with it. Everybody say deal with it. Deal with it. Well, you know, deal with it means do something about it. How many of you know there are times you can't do anything about it? And so I believe that's why God said in 1979 to me, I'm going to fill you so full of my love that when I get done, you will never have another fear. You will never fear. And then you'll be able to love the way I love. That is the only way that we can love the world that we're living in and ever show them Jesus. Because if, if we're not full of that love for him, not just full of, the Bible says we've been given his love, but I mean full of love for him. God, no matter what they do to me, because I love you, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Everybody say it can hurt. That was how God healed me. He said, one day he said to me, if you don't open your heart again, I can't get in either. You want me to heal you, but you won't open your heart because of all the fear and the pain and the hurt you've suffered. So you closed your heart. Everybody say closed your heart. A hard heart cannot, cannot be hurt by people, but it can't, be, it can't receive God's love. And that's a horrible place. Everybody say a horrible place. And I remember just weeping and weeping and weeping, and God started filling me with his love. Now, did I have to go through pain again? Yes, because hurting people hurt people. If you're going to pastor a church, if you're going to take care of hurting people, I can guarantee you this church is going to take care of multitudes. Whether it's in our lifetime or coming up, if Jesus doesn't come, I'm telling you, there are mass of hurting people and they're all heading into more and more wounded places every day. The devil is doing wicked, wicked things in the lives of this next, those generations on down beyond us to where they're so confused they don't know. Only when the love of God walks in the room Are they going to be able to know there's something different? And that love is going to drive out that darkness. But it's not going to be us. It's going to be our love for God. Everybody say, my love for God. And so when you begin to pray, God, help me to love you more than anything else, then what's going to happen is he's going to change who who you are and what you do. (laughs) That's what he's going to do. But in that, perfect love casts out all that fear and opens the door for you to help people. And will you cry? Yeah, you cry sometimes. How many of you know when people say hurtful words, it's hard. You know, you cry. But cry and get over it. That's what I do. Heather, I one day I cried and then I straighten up and go again. Suck it, suck it up and move yeah, on. Yeah, that's what he says. Suck it up, honey. Come on, we're going. Okie dokie. You know, you know, sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, let's all say, I can play hurt. I can play hurt. Tell your neighbor, I can play hurt. Yeah. But just play. Yeah. Vince Lombardi used to tell his players when they get hurt and they'd have their hobble or something, say, get out there and run. If your leg falls off, I'll take you off the field. If it stays on there, keep moving. <laughs> I ad-libbed a little bit there. But you really have to have that love for God before you can love other people. You cannot work at loving other people. No. It flows out of you loving God with every ounce of your being. Then you can fulfill what will make you perfect. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 43. 
verse 43 of Matthew chapter 6. Five that you said on your page. Is it five? Yeah. Okay, five. Yeah, I'm sorry. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. You've heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You can't work at that. You can't work at making that happen. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, meaning if you do this, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How? By allowing His love that came into you and your love for Him flow out. It is, it is a flowing out of that love. And only can that love flow out once we receive it and once we reciprocate by loving him that way. He first loved us, but until we embrace it back the other way, it's just like in marriage. You know, people, some, some people have loved somebody all their life and the person never reciprocated. And so they're just, you know, standing there. It's not working. Everybody say it won't work. <laughs> but when you fall in love with Jesus really fall in love with the Lord, things will change. And as I was praying about this message when you gave it to me, I was praying this morning, I I felt like there's um, some people who in love need to let some people go. Because why you're holding on to them is out of fear. You're afraid something's going to happen. But until you let them go, then you're, you're tormented and they are not free for God to touch their life and take care of what he needs to do. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.